Hey everybody, it's Cy Amundsen here. A uh, quick announcement, Chad's on the road this week, so we are doing an on-location recording. So the audio might not be as good as normal, but suck it. You got both of us back, and I think you can put up with it for one single week. Uh, you know, a uh, quick couple of promos. I know, Chad, you have some dates to do. I want to get some dates out there. Uh, if you're looking to see me uh, do any of the things I do, uh, every Tuesday, I will be at the Whole Foods in Edina, standing in front of the frozen bread section, looking for the bread that the uh, the grocery store workers told me would be there. That is the only bread I can eat because of my diet, because of my autoimmune disease. You can then see me up at the front of the counter, aggressively talking to the person who lied to me the week before and is in the process of telling me another lie uh, that uh, will come to fruition a week from that point. And also Kevin, my dog, got, uh, had got a bunch of shit stuck in the hair near his butt because he hasn't had a, uh, a haircut in a while. So over the course of the next six days, you can, have, uh, you, can, you can find me having too many conversations about that with my wife in my living room because it's the only thing she wants to talk about for some reason. Chad, what do you got for dates? Hey, uh, you know, so I mentioned that you got both of us back. I mean, I've been here the whole time. I don't know why he had to fucking bring me into it. But uh, April 2nd and 3rd, I've been announcing I'll be at the Irvine Improv. And that is no longer the case. The club had to uh, move me again because uh, they just don't have the capacity. They're not going to open to a capacity that, that warrants the shows. So um, April, uh, excuse me, August 27th and 28th is the, it should be barring uh, somebody in the White House pushing the red button, a uh, some kind of new strain of COVID rapidly infecting Orange County. It sh that should be the final move, August 27th and 28th. I wasn't going to work this summer, but I'm giving I'm giving a weekend because I I it's not fair that it keeps gets moving. I understand it's not fair to anybody, including the club. So uh, I hope you guys keep your tickets and I hope you can make it to those uh, August shows. And I, and, and again, Cy, sorry about um, Kevin's uh, hair, hairy butthole. Frank, 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 let's start the show. Great to have you back, Chad. Let's start the show. Hey everybody, this is Chad Daniels, and you have landed in the middle of somewhere. Hello, thanks for coming back and listening. Speaking of back, and back to back, it's Cy Amundsen. Hello, Chad Daniels. I'm angry about a lot of stuff, not just my personal health situation. Let's get the show <laughs> on the road. I am, uh, so right now, people are like, oh wow, Chad's microphone sucks now. I'm uh, at a hotel room in Arlington. Virginia, right next to Washington, D.C. This is the first time we've ever recorded uh, with you on the road. Yeah, we had a year to try to figure out the technical situations, and we never even took a swing at it. Correct. So That's <laughs> why, why be good at stuff when we can just use our time to be selfish? Well, my thing is, I don't want to carry one of those big suitcases that has like the foam egg carton in it. And have people go, ooh, are you filming a movie? And it's like, no, I have a podcast. 
<laughs> I have that's a podcast all I want that I can't miss. It's gonna be great. So <laughs> I'm just doing it. I'm just recording the audio from the Zoom room. And in Arlington, let me tell you a story about Thursday night. It was the worst show I've had in seven years. And I'm guessing a lot of people go 10 years. A lot of comedians go, worst show I've had in 10 years. I have to assume I've had a worse show than this in the in the three years extension. But it was so bad. So thank you. If you're listening and you came out, I know there were podcast listeners there. Oh my God. Thanks. A couple of people drove down from Philadelphia. Anytime someone goes, Oh, we drove, we, we spent time getting here. I'm like, Oh, for that bag of shit. Sorry. <laughs> I, that makes me feel extra bad. So uh, hung out and talked a little bit after the show, socially distanced, of course, if the COVID inspectors listening and um, we, uh, it was, it was fun to chat with him, but in the middle of the show, I'm doing a bit, if you've, if you've ever seen it, it'll be on the album I recorded, but it is about how homophobia is the biggest daddy issue of them all, right? And, it uh, sounds like it, you just said homophobia, but because we're in a Zoom room, you jumped, and to me, it sounded like you said hobophobia. And no, if you're not scared of homeless people, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but but yeah homophobia and, and so I, was I have to tell you it. one more thing yeah I when I was like 24 which is too old to have something like this I had a black shirt with a neon cartoon drawing of a of like a train hobo with you know the like the stick and the bag over his shoulder like the mm -hmm. old and it just said in like neon letters hobo sexual and I was riding on a bus in Minneapolis and some adult man in a suit looked at me and goes, you're too old for that shirt. And I have never thought I was a better person than another person than I did in that moment. I was like, this fucking loser in his suit and tie <laughs> talking to me on his way to go fucking probably trade bonds or some lame shit and here i am living the dream in my hobo sexual shirt i interrupted you continue <laughs> no, eat, eat my ass if you're listening today <laughs> eat my ass guy named craig probably i <laughs> ah, my uncle's named craig i love my uncle craig i could listen to you talk in circles all day long when your brain goes no i didn't want to say that out loud and then you just get skirt around it's fantastic uh, speaking of too old for stuff, I was riding my BMX pedal bike around Lake Alice and there was a, a girl and she was walking her dog, very younger. She looked younger than Olivia and she was pushing a stroller and, and having a lot of trouble with her dog because the dog was little and kept going under the stroller and like wrapping the leash around the wheels. And uh, as I drove by, I, I, she goes, she looks up and then looks at my bike and then sees me and her face just changes. And she goes, little old for that bike? And I just go, little young for that baby? And I kept pedaling. But the problem is, I love saying shit and then piecing out, right? Like George Costanza. Yeah. But then I realized we're walking in opposite directions around a pretty small lake. So I'm yeah. going to see her again. It's like being at the YMCA where if you talk shit to someone on the track, you're like, well, if I'm going to walk a mile, I'm going to see this person 22 more times. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're, I mean, if I should have changed direction and gone the same way as her, because then she wouldn't have seen me coming and stuff. But now we're like, I'm on the, I'm on the main stretch and I can see her for 
three city blocks as I'm approaching her on my bike again. <laughs> and then I didn't know what to do. And I was just, just, she stared at me, but she stopped walking and stared at me. And I just was like, good luck with, I hope the dog stops bugging you. I think you should have just popped a wheelie and just drove by her shouting the name like Travis Pastrama or whatever Pastrami, whatever that fucking guy's <laughs> name is. Just like really lean into it. Do like a little trick as you while by just, just really age down in front of her. And I almost and feel like you what were there. Thought. Because then after that time, when I wimped out, I had the whole lake again to think about it. And then the next time I put my feet on my back pegs and gave her the <laughs> Superman and just drove by, just rode by like that. That was pretty fun. <laughs> so you're doing your bit on homophobia. Doing my bit on daddy homophobia. Issues. Yeah. And this guy, and I'm going to say 60s, goes, bullshit. And I was like, uh-oh, this seems like there's more coming. And it did. He went on this diatribe, just like, you're full of shit. You don't think if a soldier, because I was talking about soldiers from World War II that probably had to leave the love of their life overseas. Some, I'm not, not, I was talking about a specific guy. And then he goes, you think that all soldiers in World War II were gay? You think that they wouldn't just stay in Europe to get more ass? They'd come back to America and fake marriage? And he's like really into this thing. And so I'm thinking, <laughs> this is too close to you. Something happened. And that's why you're so mad at me. And then he goes. That's when he, he breaks down and the French accent cracks and you realize somebody left him. <laughs> Yeah, he just goes, and another thing, I love Jonathan. Um, but he uh, <laughs> he was so into it. And then uh, he said, you know, they're the greatest generation, right? And I go, did you just call them the gayest generation? And I thought that was cute. <laughs> and then the people laughed. But then um, I was like, well, greatest generation. I go, I don't know. Are there any people of color in this room that want to disagree? And then everything got real so weird. So you you literally tried quiet. to yeah you literally tried to start a Facebook thread. Yeah, I absolutely just wanted him to be quiet. And then, but here's the thing about the guy. I'm gonna tell you something else. The owner of the club came down and told they they he said something, and then the guy I asked him another question and he just sat there. So like the most respectful guy. And I have to assume he was in the military because he took offense to the military stuff. And then he also, and it wasn't like even shitting on the military. It was just saying these poor men four generations ago wasted their life because they couldn't be who they wanted to be. But then, uh, but then he just sat there and I was like, well, this, if he took orders from another dude to tell him to sit there, I guess that's part of it. <laughs> I, I love, first of all, I'm really excited about the fact that because of how polarized our society has become in the last four years, that you and I can't even sit here and mention things like soldiers in the greatest generation without knowing you, you and I already know in our heads that we're going to get messages about this episode. And we haven't even <laughs> made any commentary. Here's what I'll tell you about the greatest generation. When they were starting out, no one thought they were the like, here's the only thing I know about generations. When you're part of a generation that's young, you're the worst generation. The greatest generation, when they were 14, there were a bunch of 40, 50, 60, right. and 70 year olds walking around going, this is the worst fucking generation of, of rejects of it. Like it, it never, 
You're doesn't always even, doesn't even walk the newspaper all the way to the door. This goddamn kid throws it, and then he grabs a bunch and he goes and stands in Times Square and says, "Newspaper, get your newspaper." This fucking generations of leaky hand fucking Muppet Mouse wants to buy their milk at the store so they can put the milkman out of business. What are they thinking? Like every <laughs> right, everyone has a problem with the younger generation, and, and you know, so we. We won't know, we won't really be able to judge generations after it till we're years done thing. But it's, it's interesting, you know, I was going to tell you about something that happened with my neighbor today, but it, re it reminds me like, so basically I alienated another neighbor. That you're, by the way, you're running out of neighbors. Yeah, well, here's the thing I had, after it happened, I thought, man, you you actually had pretty good run with your neighbors. And I was like, wait, no, it's been winter. You just <laughs> haven't seen a neighbor in five months is the, the only yeah. thing that's happened here. And so I'll tie, I'm going to tie all this together. There'll be, they'll, I'm going to bring what you're talking about together after I tell you what happened with my neighbor. Um, because it, I, I am, I'm a, I'm an artist and part of <laughs> a yet to a yet to be to, a yet to be determined generation in terms of their greatness. Um, so down on the corner, we have a neighbor who has a three-legged dog. Okay, uh, it's missing its front right haunch, its front right leg, and uh, I love it. I've never met it officially, but I like any. Any animal missing a limb, oh, I just have the biggest, like, are you a dog who has to pull its butt on a cart? Well, I love you. I love you so <laughs> right. much. It's yes. crazy. And it's endearing. Yeah. And, and I think anything, you know, you, you jokingly, anytime I'm complaining about my body, you like to tell me about a video you saw where some guy shot a bow and arrow with his feet, you know, because he didn't have arms. And I'd like to tell you, he shot it so incredibly well. He's like a world champion. Yes, he's and 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 we both understand that if I tried to shoot a bow and arrow with my feet, I would have an arrow straight through my nutsack. Yeah. There's no, I, I don't. It wouldn't even be from shooting it. I would just be trying to pick up the arrow. I'd be like, Jenna, my feet stabbed <laughs> my nuts. My feet stabbed <laughs> my nuts. And selfishly, that's why I keep bringing that story up because I want you to try it. Yeah, well, I mean, the nuts aren't getting used a lot, so we might as <laughs> we might as well fucking pierce them with an arrow. But so I really love this dog. But I started noticing, you know, as spring has been coming, they walk this fucking dog, Chad, like fifteen times a day. And mm. I'm not saying he shouldn't get walked like you're like you're you have three legs you don't get to walk and he's he's a black lab he's a labrador retriever but like why shouldn't it almost feels like somebody like did one of your cousins die and give you this three-legged dog and you can't give it up for adoption because you'll look like a like awful to your family but maybe if you give it a heart attack because it hobbles around the block 16 hours a day then you can tell everybody it's dead but like i don't understand why they're so aggressively walking this dog. So that's the mind frame that I'm sure. in. Frame of mind? Yeah. So it is uh, last week and it is nice outside. The day where we hit about 60 degrees. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, daddy, 
Daddy loves to sit in the garage right on the edge of the right on the edge there of the garage where the sunshine can hit your chest a little bit and you can see all the goings and comings, right? <laughs> so I'm out there, you know, living a Mountain Dew lifestyle. And here comes this nub, not the dog, the guy, the man is a nub, but also the dog, you know, has, has a, a nub. nub. Then here comes the nub walking the dog with the nub and it's hobbling across our thing. And then the dog comes onto our yard and just beefs a heater, just takes, <laughs> just rips a growler that you're like, it was the whole dog made of poop, like the whole thing. And so he's ripping this big fucking deuce. Right? I have a question. I have a question about this. When the dog shits, does he has to move his left paw to the center? So he's more like a stable tripod? Because to me, I see it like the top of a one-armed push-up. It's literally exactly what's that. That's where I was going. Is it oh. is so imp- it's so impressive. Cause he's like, yeah, he's doing that thing where he's like, well, if I'm, I'm a dog and I'm going to shit, my hind legs can't touch the ground. That would be sacrilege, yeah. you know? So he, it, it is really impressive. So like, if there is a special dog Olympics for shitting, this is the guy like, this is, this dude is a beast. My friend out of nowhere, my friend, Ben, he uh, texted me about his dog taking a shit. And he said he took the shit and then afterwards like opened up his butthole and stretched it a little bit and the first thought that came to mind is like remember the scene in the matrix where neo stops the bullets at the end and then he flexes and the room bends that's what i figured this kind of looked like but i but ben sends me the most random shit it'll just be i won't hear from him for three weeks and then he'll send me oh my god koi just took this shit and then flexed his butthole it's the craziest text chain you'll ever see (laughs) So this dog is just ripping this dump on my lawn and uh, the nub guy is standing there and then he sees me up in the garage and immediately you can tell he's like embarrassed and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm obviously going to clean it up. And I I was like, dude, you don't need to apologize. That's what dogs do. And, you know, I, I always get, you know, people get so worked up that dogs shit on their lawn, you know. I really can't do that because here's a big secret. This guy lives at the corner down on the corner on our block. And Kevin, I think Kevin thinks his lawn is the bathroom. That is where Kevin (laughs) takes all of his shits. And, you know, you haven't told a lie in five years. And as you know, I have decided to climb onto that journey recently. So I'm not going to lie to you here. I'm... I'm not going to tell you that I have cleaned up all those shits. Uh, I will tell you, Mm -hmm. I sometimes I'm about to leave on a walk. I'd be about to leave on a walk last summer with Kevin and I'd be out the door and I'd be like, Oh, I forgot a bag. And then I go, Oh, he probably won't poop. And then when he'd poop, I'd be like, I don't want to walk down, get the bag and come back. I'll take a picture where the poop is at. And then I'll send that to Jenna for when she walks him. So she, oh she can my remember. Fucking God. How are you still married? Hey, <laughs> hey, I, when you're done raking the leaves, can you go pick up all the shit that I didn't get? <laughs> I mean, this is this is unreal. I don't know what kind of fucking hypnosis you have going on in the house, but teach me, Obi-Wan. <laughs> and so 
And and then the worst part is I always forget to send her the text. So like nine days later, I'll be looking through the pictures on my phone and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I left shit on that guy's lawn. <laughs> so I don't there's no part of me that has an issue with this guy. I'm not going to tell him why, but I'm like, dude, it's it's no problem. And and so now we're engaged in a conversation. So now is my opportunity. And uh, I was like, hey, man, you uh, you sure you got to sure walk him a lot. And he just goes, yeah, yeah, he really likes it. And I was like, yeah, I, it's just, it's curious because he has, you know, he's missing the, the front leg. Do you, he does like it. He really likes to walk that much. And he goes, well, he's always leading the walk. Like, yeah, I'm fucking, maybe it's because he's worried if he slows down, he'll fucking tip over. I don't know that him trying to keep moving forward is is the reason that he should go on 35 walks a day. And I was like, what did you what have you ever and now i'm getting to the point where like i'm i'm clearly crossing lines but this guy is putting up with me because sure. i think he's embarrassed that his dog ripped a heater on my lawn and he doesn't realize you guys have this shit for chat exchange going on exactly and he also doesn't realize that i'm the guy that everybody's talking about in the neighborhood group chat thread i don't <laughs> think he knows that yet and uh i was like do you did, what did the vet say? Cause I've never, you know, I, I don't know anyone who has a dog with an impairment like that. Is he, and he goes, the vet said as much exercise as he wants. Fuck is what is your vet? A cat who hates dogs is your vet Garfield. There's no way <laughs> now I'm mad. Cause I think he's lying. There's no way the vet was like, yes, this hobbled creature, please, you know, marathons, marathons for the disabled dog. And then I was like, Hey, if you don't mind me asking, how did he become three legged? And he just very abruptly was like, I have no idea. He didn't come with a backstory or a Facebook page, which I thought was a really funny, <laughs> a really funny answer. And then like, we're at this weird impasse, kind of like the conversation is stalled. He's finished picking up his dog shit. And I like, and I know this is weird, but I was just like, do you, do you guys like, do you really like want him? Are you liking taking care of him? Cause I, you know, I, I think he's great. Like, I don't know what, it was the weirdest thing. Like I was trying to see if this guy would be willing to give me his three-legged dog so I could bring him into my home and let him be less lazy. And he just looked at me right in the face and he goes, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. I don't know. I was just, I, sometimes people think that dogs that have disabilities are a burden and he just goes, we love the dog. And then he took off walking. So, <laughs> well, I could say you can count on a whole bunch of shit in your yard from now on. <laughs> so you might want to let Jenna know. <laughs> <laughs> he, the reason the re now, now let me tie all our stories together. I just can't, there's something about missing limbs that is very intriguing to me. Sure. And I used to have a joke and I stopped doing it because it was probably a, a little bit insensitive and it wasn't like an amazingly written joke. But, you know, when I do stand up, I like, hey, Cy, did you write a new bit? And I'm like, yes, it's 19 minutes long and it's a hillbilly voice. <laughs> there will be a little yelling towards the end. Yeah, that's the one beauty of my disease here is that it's really forced me to try to be funny without yelling. Oh, you know what? Can I tell you something? Maybe I've told this before, 
but I don't know if you know this, I used to be extremely active on stage. Like I was like a boy band of comedy. There was a lot of choreography. <laughs> I had this joke about a lady that was arrested for uh, killing her husband with a frying pan. She beat him to death with a frying pan. And then I was like, I wonder how she snuck up behind him. And I'd go, doom, doom, doom. Doom, 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 doom. and I'd like prance across the stage. It was so ridiculous. And then one, one of my first headlining gigs at, gigs at a comedy club, I had to, uh, I, I had to go there and I sprained my ankle so severely where I was playing basketball and I stepped on somebody's <laughs> foot and I hit the ground and I slid across the floor like I was sliding into second base, but I could see the bottom of my foot coming at me. So I thought it was Oof. broken initially and then it snapped back, but it was such a bad sprain that I had to, oh, it's when I got, uh, when I got uh, frostbite on my ankle. So I go to this gig and I realize I have to do 45 minutes, but can't move. I have to sit on the stool. And I was like, oh no, these are not going to be getting, that's when I had to start writing jokes where I just stand there. Because otherwise, I was like, what if I hurt my leg again? I can't be writing these goddamn flippity <laughs> flute bits where I'm prancing around. Oh, it was ridiculous. The, the, the two bits that got me, because you, you remember, I, I don't know, you started at Acme before me. Yeah. So I don't know if it was like this, but when I started at Acme, everybody signs up. You know, some people get time. The people who work there always get time, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody else is hoping to get three minutes and to do well so they can get time again. And then they'll always like, you know, every few months they'll take one or two people and they'll bump them up and kind of audition them for a while. Yeah. And that's the big transition. And the two jokes that got me from the, uh, from the, the three minutes every once in a while to the auditioning stage where I had a joke where I talked about, being inside an Abercrombie and Fitch. And it was just me dancing to the sort of music that was in Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> oh, I hope there's tape of that somewhere. And then no shit. The other one was uh, me doing two impressions. It was Dr. Phil and George W. Bush interacting with one another. And I honestly think because that's yeah. back when they had all these like, like, they had like Brooks, Brooks Robinson and, and Tommy Ryman and Tim Harmston and Mary Mack, all these like unique, like creative comics with artistic integrity. And I literally think a manager <laughs> was like, yeah, but there's a lot of dumb fucking morons who come to our show. Is there anybody that could appeal to them with nonsense and loud noises? <laughs> so let's, let's bring this all back together. Okay. Um, so, I do about each of my jokes are about 15 minutes long. Well, when I was first starting to do that, uh, you know, by the time you get to the end of it, I couldn't just start another 15 minute joke because half of the room had decided I was terrible right. in the previous 15 minutes. So I'd always throw something quick and fun in between my marathon jokes and just like complete silliness. I had this terrible joke that it was just like, um, anytime I see somebody missing a limb, I just always assume it's a shark attack. Like I was at the bank and I saw a guy who had no arm 
from the elbow down and I was like, shark attack, huh? And he was like, I lost this arm in the first Gulf War. And I was like, Uh-oh. oh my God, we fought sharks over there. And it is a very, very dumb joke. It is very silly. And is it, is it real? It's, it's not real. No. Okay. Cause I, I wanted, I wanted the guy's reaction. I was like waiting for what did he do? I'm guessing punch you with his good arm. Uh, so, but here's the thing it had, that was one of those 33% jokes where 66% of the time, most people laughed, no repercussions. 33% of the time, a white woman named Lisa would find me after the show and explain to me the amount of disrespect I had just poured onto the armed services. And so that's a I am ballsy, ballsy way to word that, by the way. And so, <laughs> that's a, and so I feel like that was a pun you tried to sneak in, but my pun detector is on fire lately. And so you're not getting that one by me. Armed services. Yeah, so, I'm on you. I'm on you. So I'm featuring at Acme and I'm standing out after the show. Everybody's coming by and there is a woman there that is giving me the lecture of a lifetime about mm-hmm. that joke. Sure. And like, and I always just stand there and take it. Uh, you know, what am I going to do? Fight this woman? That's not going to help my case. Like, well, she didn't like my joke about armless veterans. Like, I can't. Like, I understand it's not. You know, I understand what I've done wrong. And uh, so, she's given me this full-on lecture. I'd like to just jump in and say I don't think this is about arm, like people that were injured in wars. I think this is a, more about surfers. Because that it's, it, surfers get attacked by sharks. You know, and the joke to me is that I'm so stupid that it doesn't matter what you tell me happened to your arm. I don't believe that a shark wasn't involved. Absolutely, right. And so I'm getting this lecture and this guy, young dude, like just this fucking ripped dude, uh, strolls up very, very drunk and like almost plows this lady over and he goes, the fucking shark joke. And I was like, dude, two people two <laughs> at the same time. And he goes, he goes, I did two tours in Afghanistan and I fucking loved it. Um, nobody wants to joke about that stuff. They don't realize we have great senses of humor. We can have fun. That's a great fucking joke. And I, without, without missing a beat, I was like, okay, hold on. This lady here thought it was really disrespectful. And he drunkenly turns to her and he goes, were you, were, did you serve? And she goes, no. He goes, well, did your kids or your parents serve? And she goes, no. He goes, well, did your, did your husband serve? And she goes, no. And he goes, well, then why don't you shut the fuck up? And he just walked <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, my God. Does that make me right for telling that joke? It does not. But does that make that guy a hero for just living a life and having a great sense of humor? Now, if, I will tell you, if somebody who is a veteran is like, I'm really offended by that. I served and I, I have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of bad things. I'd be like, you're right. I can hear that. And that's eventually I kind of noticed. I was like, you're a better joke writer than that side. Just write stuff about your own life and shit. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. But I mean, this is back when I was a feature. But God, that guy was a fucking hero, man. I mean, twice. He's a two-time hero because he serves yep. and then he yep. comes back and puts Lisa in her place. He serves, yeah, serves and then comes home and serves Lisa. That's, that's so great. I was, um, I was just talking about this. 
I mean, I think it was Thursday. I was talking about how we don't have the same rules that I think that's the problem because everything is so individualized that it's tough to know what's okay and what isn't. And I think that's what makes, you know, social justice warriors so rabid as they can jump on you because I, one time, you know, I'd always say when I found out someone served in the military, I'd say, oh, thank you for your service. And then one time yeah. this guy at a bar goes, you don't have to fucking thank me. I got paid for it. It's my job. And I was like, all right. And then I didn't thank the next person I saw. And then everyone was like, why didn't you thank him for his service? Because we did. And I was like, you guys aren't going to believe this, but I don't know how to fucking handle this anymore because I had two different opinions and my brain is broken. I mean, I, and I think that goes across everything. Like everyone has their yeah. own different opinion and that's fucking makes life really difficult. It makes life really difficult when in the last eight to 10 years, because of the advancements of social media, the importance of self has risen far above the importance of the collective. And sure. now we have to be, and, and I'm not talking about whether, you, you know, gender nomenclature or shit like that. I'm just saying like every single human being, because of what social media does to our brains, they're their journey and their lives have elevated to a level of importance that for a lot of them exceeds the greater good or anybody else's level of importance. So now you're not just trying to figure out how to act within a society. You have to figure out how to act around every single fucking person all day long. And, and now right. I'm sounding like a fucking 60 year old dad who's about to give you a speech about the, about the greatest generation, but it is, you know, that's one of the downsides that comes with the fact that you and I get to fucking sit on the internet and promote a podcast on the, you know, like it's right. just this, this level of importance that's now, that, that comes with it. I'd like people to know that I had a level of self-importance that was way too high, even before social media. I mean, I feel like, oh, I, me really, too. I feel like I really started this movement. Well, and I think that's why most comedians aren't over like comedians who've been doing comedy for 15 years you see comedians who've been doing it for three years and they're freaking out about everything that's happening in society and people like us who've been doing it for 15 20 25 years Easy, we're used to being pal. around 30 years sorry 30 oh, years fuck you <laughs> we've been doing it aren't you dwight york's uncle so people who've been <laughs> People, but we've just been around and are ourselves self-centered psychopaths that have been around self-centered like egomaniacs for like, you know, I remember you're like, hey, let's go out to dinner with a bunch of comedians. And you're like, OK, well, looks like I got to watch 17 people. I'll try to be the coolest people at a table for four hours. <laughs> like you're not. That's what social media is. I think we're more prepared for it. Yeah, that makes sense. So speaking of being self-important, I have a new project at my house. Olivia, my daughter, is a fixer, right? She has been a fixer, even, and it worried me for a while. By, by fixer, I mean she tries to make everybody on every side happy. She tries to bring people together, right? And this was she was like this before the divorce. She probably gets, you know, I don't think people would recognize this necessarily, but I bet she gets a little bit of that from you. I think you, you, you have an interesting dynamic where you are very happy to put someone in their place or, or battle someone when the battle needs to be fought. But you, you do like to make sure good people around you are happy. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. I like to be a bit of a bridge once in a while. I think I think my bridge stems from stems from my youth when uh, I would I would have to, uh, you know, my dad again would would come home with a can of chicken chow mein instead of crab legs. And I was like, well, we're going to need to do some repair work here on this family. There's I hate what's going on with my body and my throat and my ability to project my voice, but it's hard to hate it as much as I do right now. I wanted to launch into bridge over troubled water so bad there and just carry the whole song. <laughs> that would have been so fantastic. But yeah, so I think she probably sees it for me a little bit, gets it for me. But I also don't like that. So one of the things I have trouble with as a dad is when I see characteristics of myself that I feel could be weak or just aren't good. And I see them in my children that's a big red flag. So when I see this with Olivia, I kind of want to, I kind of want to fix it. And so she has, and I totally understand that I'm experiencing that with my niece, who's learning how to talk, who I've spent most of the last month teaching her the word dirt bag. And then I watched her aggressively call both of her parents dirt bags. And I was like, maybe you went too far, Cy. So I understand maybe, maybe she doesn't need to be like you. Well, I also don't think you said, maybe you went too far, Cy. I think you said, fucking checkmate, bitches. I am running this house. That's what I think happened. Correctamundo. Also, <laughs> yeah. I've been talking like the Fonz lately. Correctamundo. <laughs> so Olivia is so busy. She has, I mean, you wouldn't even believe the amount of homework high school kids are getting on this distance learning thing. It is, she is doing homework nonstop. Now, luckily for me, I have not had to ask her to do homework. She does it, she gets A's. It's really, really easy at the house. But she also now has the figure skating show coming up and there's practice early in the morning and then she has school and then late at night and then she has homework. So I keep asking her, hey, we should go to the cabin sometime this week. And she goes, dad, I'm pretty busy this week. I can't really do it. And I go, no, I understand. Maybe we'll just sneak out there for a half hour. She's like, dad, I don't think you understand because I have skating and then school and then skating and then homework. And I go, I get it. Do some homework in the car. Great idea. Let's head out to the cabin. Just (laughs) check it out for a little bit. And my goal is for her to tell me to fuck off because I caught her saying the F word, little tiny adorable Olivia said the effort. And she goes, well, I can say it at mom's house. And I was like, I don't mind. I don't care if you say the word. It just is shocking to a dad's brain when he sees what used to be this little tiny baby surrounded by roses at the picture shop uh, saying the F word. It's a little, it's a stunner. And so my goal was to get her to say fuck off to me, but instead she hasn't texted me in two days. She won't text me (laughs) back. So I think that's her fuck off. And I, I'm so excited that I finally got her to not be like, okay, dad, yeah, maybe we could go to the, you know, I'll just do homework in the car and I'll figure it out. And she just is like, no, bitch, I'm not doing it. I'm too busy. And I'm very excited that we did, that we made this happen. That's progress, baby. The, we talk about my nephew, Madonna scale, Ethan on this show often. Yeah. Uh, his mother, my sister, Janine, she has a daughter who is of equal importance to me as Madonna, Ethan, Ellie, who as a, I want to say a 10 year old nicknamed herself, the Elster. <laughs> 
they had a Papa Shot game, you know, like those side by side Papa Shot games. I've never lost. And Ethan, Ethan had one of his friends over at the house, and she drilled one at the buzzer to beat an older boy, and just jumped, <laughs> pumped her fists, and just started screaming, "Call me the Elster." <laughs> <laughs> and uh so she's forever been the elster she's one of my favorite humans on earth but she's that uh, she's because we have such a weird family where i'm 18 years younger than my sister and i when i moved up to the cities i either lived with her and her family and her husband john and their kids or i lived really close so i've i've been able to be really involved in ethan and ellie's life and their older brother my nephew seth's life and that's been amazing. I've been able to help a little bit. I've been able to, you know, feel like I had the same thing that I had, you know, with my parents in Worthington. Right. Sure. But also I have clearly bled off onto these children and like with language and behavior, you know, we've talked about, you know, Ethan as retribution for a boy breaking up with his, with up with his sister pissed on the person's car. Like that's, not not a sigh move right and but ellie she's like she you know she's she's a faith-based person she's like this like she's a community leader she's like this really impressive wonderful good human being who at like 14 15 and 16 was so foul-mouthed like she would go to church she would, you know, nanny for a family. She would help out like downtown at the crisis nur- nursery. And then she'd walk into the house with Ethan, uh, her mom and myself at the counter. And she'd be like, what's up, you fucking bitches? Like she is the fun. And it is seeing just like a sweet 16 year old girl walk into a room and go like, what's up, twat? Like, it's so funny. It's so I funny. Mean, I mean, the truth is, though, no matter how good you are, if you go to church and you are with all these children and you are helping at a nursery, I mean, you're gonna end up saying fuck sometime. It may as well be around your family. Yeah. Because <laughs> you have to be, you have to get home from church and be like, these motherfuckers go to church and make sure everybody sees them so they know they're not sinners and then the first thing they do is they are out being assholes these fucking dicks and you just as a dad you have to sit there and be like uh-huh okay uh-huh have i have i told the story on the show about the word chode and her dad i think so because okay well let's skip it because it's one of my favorite stories but you know, I f- we've been doing this show so long. Pretty soon, we're going to lose all our listeners because they're like, hey, now you guys are just telling the same stories that you've told all of the times. Oh, tricks on you. Size throat hurts, and we're just playing old episodes. <laughs> we're not even telling the stories can, twice. We're just playing the old episodes. Can I, can I bitch about one thing as we end the show? Oh, I, hope, I was hoping you would. And it's not anything I have control over or get to have control over, but... You know me, I am in a deep emotional relationship with television. I would say television is one of my best friends. I'm not going to rank it amongst my other best friends because I don't want my wife or best friends to be hurt based on where television lands. Um, TV, I think, is a wonderful escape. And it's like, there's a lot of shows that have come back for a season this year. And for some reason... 
they have decided that their season should take place in the pandemic. Like it was so important to say true to the reality that you like, you're a fictional show. Meredith Gray is not a real fucking person. Like a million little things, that guy's Sean from Psych. I don't, you're not, this right. isn't a real, like we don't, you don't have to wear a mask and doesn't have to like, I understand it was a serious thing, but when 9-11 happened, I didn't fucking turn on Malcolm in the middle and hear Brian Cranston go like, I'd love to take you guys to a football game. But as you know, the Pentagon was attacked and there are no games this week. And then it's just 20 minutes of them going through new heightened airport security. Just make your show in a fake fucking world where the pandemic doesn't exist. It's the worst. It's the worst television in existence. I applaud the shows who are just like, yeah, we're not doing that. And I fucking loathe all the people who sat in a Hollywood room knowing that they created an escapism and entertainment for people. And we're like, let's put, let's put everybody in a mask and talk about the pandemic. Well, I have to uh, respectfully disagree with you because that's why I've always gone on these mask rants. And I encourage people to wear masks because at the beginning of the pandemic, I wrote a show called Dr. Robert. <laughs> And he's a doctor by day, but he robs banks at night and he only wears a mask because it's the pandemic and he gets away with all this shit. So I've been really trying to sell that show and that's why I've been pumping this wearing mask stuff. It has nothing to do with health. You think I care about old people? Fuck you. I'm trying to sell a television show. Also, speaking of Meredith Grey, uh, there was a character in the audition breakdowns for Grey's Anatomy that was Chad Daniels. And then it was 40s, Midwestern. And I was like, I think I should be able to get this part. And then it said, uh, doesn't believe in COVID, always yelling at doctors about how it's not real. And I was like, well, there we go. I guess I'm busted. Can't, can't, can't do that. <laughs> I tell you, if it gets me a part on Grey's Anatomy, I'll play that version of Chad Daniels. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what these science folk do and don't do, don't like, don't now. Come on around downtown now. The uh, yeah, that's uh, I'm excited to see how Doctor how Doctor Robert pans out. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, that has a really short shelf life. When the pandemic's over, well, here's what you don't know: is cliffhanger end of season one. Doctor Robert actually gets falsely accused of a murder. And so in the second season, he has to try to clear his name as a Dr. Robber murderer. So I, I, I think it has more legs than a lot of the critics say that it does. I think so, too. I mean, it has more legs than the dog that gets walked by your house. But <laughs> I got to go. Hey, if you guys like this, uh, there will be a new episode next Monday and every single Monday at 8 a.m. So click the subscribe button so your phone sends it to you without having to do any work.